Welcome to the Vet Med Wellness and Leadership Podcast, where we discuss central challenges vet med leaders face, such as burnout, stress, and difficult interactions with clients and staff, just to name a few. In each episode, you will hear about actionable solutions that you can apply to your practice and invitations to connect with fellow leaders who are passionate about improving the wellness of the vet med profession. By subscribing, liking, commenting, or sharing this podcast, you're helping more veterinary professionals find the resources shared in these episodes. Thank you in advance for listening and supporting this show. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Hey, everybody. Crystal Stokes here, and I have Dr. Derek Paul back for round two to dive into another topic that we are both very interested in today. Uh, He is the National Medical Director at Valley Veterinary Care, and Dr. Paul, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. It's great to be here. Absolutely. I know you're a busy man. You said you just got back to Colorado. You've been on the road filling in and the ER uh, here in California. Yep. Yep. In the heat and humidity of uh, East LA area. Yes. Oh, I know. I get it. (laughs) Welcome back. Um, So today we're going to be talking more about uh, the difficulties we're seeing with uh, staffing issues in the veterinary profession and taking the time to really invest in your team for their their long-term success with the company, how to do that during this time where we feel so incredibly crunched for time, that there's a sense of, I don't have time to train people. They need to hit the ground running. We need to get them in and have them uh, producing right away. So talking more today about how do we really address the feeling of having a time crunch while also needing to nurture our veterinary staff and have them feel supported and well-trained. Yeah, um, yeah, and that will maybe take us also a bit into the conversation around what is going on right now with being so short-staffed and this huge influx of more animals that need help need to be mm-hmm. seen. So these things kind of are all converging together to create this unique situation. And we're going to hear uh, about your your opinion and what you see is uh as being helpful with what sure. we're dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where should we start? Um, I you know I. The, the place I'd like to start, um, we've talked about this a little bit before, and I'll just kind of throw it out there. Um, it, just kind of a general PSA for, for everybody. And you see it in different places now. I, like you said, I was just traveling. I was in a few different restaurants and stores and places, you know, different parts of the country. And I, I keep, I, I see two themes in the signage that they're not putting at the fronts of the stores, you know, and one, one of them is, you know, the whole world's short staffed right now, you know, please bear with us. And the other one is, please be kind to the people that showed up to, to serve you today and, and to do the work. And I, I got to thinking about that from the restaurant side, the people who are actually there to serve you, right? That's what they're, they're doing. But in reality, that's what, you know, your veterinary staff is doing too. They're, they're there to serve you and take care of your animal and needs to be taken care of. Um, that's what they love to do. That's what they're there to do. And they're all busting their butts to do it. And so I I think the same approach applies. Like, yeah, I I get it. I apologize. You might have to wait a little bit longer to be seen than you used to because of the situation that we're in, but it, it goes a lot better if you're just nice to people, you know, understand the situation that they're in. They're still there wanting to help you being, being nasty to them because you had to wait a little bit longer. Isn't, isn't helping anybody. It's not really making you feel better. It's definitely not making them feel better. You know, it's, it's not helping anybody when it goes out there on social media. Um, you know, it's just, 
taking a breath, taking a step back and, you know, realizing that these people are doing everything they can to help me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. And I'm going to show them that I appreciate it by not, you know, being nasty to them mm-hmm. because of, of a little bit of perceived inconvenience. So I, it's a little self-serving, but I, I feel the need to throw that out there just because it, people don't necessarily think of it in the medical field. You know, they think of it more in the service fields, but it, it is a service field. We're, we're providing a service, um, you know, for your animal. And if you get multiple people that make you not like being there because of the way that they're acting towards you, then you don't want to be there and even less people will be there. And then you compound the problem. So my, my soapbox of just, you know, (laughs) realize everybody's in this together and and just be, be kind. (laughs) I will jump on that soapbox with you any day. Uh, It takes extra effort to practice kindness in an emergency situation or when we feel stressed and often bringing an animal into a veterinary hospital, even if it's just to see the GP for a checkup, it can still be stressful. The animal may not like being in the car or the carrier or being in a new environment. So everybody's level of anxiety and adrenaline is a little bit higher than normal. And that leads, you know, us to be more irritable more easily. So we have to practice a bit more of our emotional regulation skills to take a breath. (laughs) And to really think about the bigger picture of we're all here in this together to serve the animal and to have the best outcome possible. That's the end game. And so how can we all rally around the same objective here and, you know, value the people that are doing the service because they're here because they love your animal too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. You know, that's, that's what most of them feel called to do. And, you know, they enjoy doing it much more when they have pleasant interactions with people and their animals first. Absolutely. I had a, um, another, uh, interview a few weeks back, um, about mindset. The veterinarian had been in the field for 40 years. He's celebrating his 40th year coming Mm -hmm. up. And he said that he's been through the ups and downs of depression and, and feeling really burned out in the professional world. But this is what really has helped keep him buoyant is to focus on the positive feedback he gets and to sort of just put the negative feedback to the side. So when that, when that, you know, client comes in and brings flowers or a thank you card, really hold on to that, really let it sink in and remember that that's why he's there. And when somebody's irritable to just not put too much weight into it, kind of water off a duck's back. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly right. And it's hard. We we have to tell our docs that in in emergency all the time, you know, people are, when they're here, they're, they're stressed, they're anxious. Sometimes they're sad, sometimes they're angry. And sometimes that comes out directed at you or your staff. And you just have to realize it's, it's not personal. It feels like it is, but it's not. Um, but, but that can be tough when you're faced with it day after day, after day, after day, you know, of of having to deal with that. It's, it's hard to keep that mindset that no, no, it's, it's fine because the ones it's probably something the way our brains are wired. The ones that stick with you are negative or loud or, you know, that sort of thing. You don't tend to remember the ones that were very, very pleasant and you had a great, great appointment. And so, or at least it's tougher to forget those. They, they tend to stick around a little bit longer. Um, and so, yeah, focusing on the positive is a huge, you know, huge thing. Take, take a breath and it's, <laughs> well, that's why they say there are many, many books and courses written on how to maintain a positive mindset. And there are no books written on how to maintain a negative mindset because it comes so naturally and easy <laughs> to practice it. It's our default. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yes. Now we look at the confluence of things that have been happening that are leading to this, this challenge right now, which is that there are more pets than ever that need to be seen. A lot of people went out and adopted animals during the pandemic. And we also have, um, 
this reduction in qualified people in the veterinary profession to see the animals. So can you speak a bit to that and what you are observing? And then we'll move into how you're managing this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a challenge that I, you know, I've been doing this 15 plus years and I, I definitely haven't seen it this bad before. And, you know, they're still doing kind of studies and collecting data on the why of what's happening right now. But I, I, I think we all can say we've seen enough to know what some of the things that are contributing to it are. Um, you mentioned one of them um, being locked in our houses for a year and a half. A lot of people wanted companionship and went out and got it, which was great. There were a lot of empty shelters out there. Um, but then all those animals do need care, you know, and, and so that's part of what we're dealing with. The other part I think we're seeing is there's definitely been a, a very seismic shift in the approach of the workforce in the last several years, just as far as what people want to do, what they're willing to do. Um, and I think veterinary medicine is not immune. We're having to do some catch up with, you know, we, we are very guilty in a lot of areas in veterinary medicine of not appreciating our people to the point of where we're, we're compensating them appropriately mm-hmm. and the chickens are coming home to roost. And we're, <laughs> we're, I think reaping some of that right now and having to figure out that, okay, we got to play catch up real fast or we're not going to have the, the people to work here and, and do the job. Um, so that's, you know, that's another part of it that, that's playing into it. So can I, can I say that back to you to make sure I'm getting yeah. it? Do you mean that, this next generation that's coming up um, wants more, more benefits, more sa- better paying salary. They want to be treated differently than previous generations. I don't know about treated differently. Um, and it, I hate to generalize, you know, I, it's, it's a big generation. I don't, I don't like generalizing that. Um, what I have seen though, is that um, the, the younger generation is much, much more confident in, knowing what they bring to the table and then being willing to negotiate for appropriate compensation for that. Um, and it's, it's been a long time coming. I think it, it probably needed to happen. It was, it was going to happen eventually. Um, you know, we've, we've got to get out of this mentality of, well, you know, I had to suffer through it. You have to suffer through it now. Not necessarily, you know, we can make change and, and do good things. So, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm not putting them all in the same basket by any stretch, um, but I, I have seen that uh, in, in the younger crowds of just, you know, I, I know what I bring to the table and I want to be compensated appropriately. Yeah. And at this point where we're at this confluence of more and more animals out there that need to be taken care of and, and that sort of thing, you know, it, it's probably their time. It's probably their market to say, if you want us in here, then you compensate us appropriately. And it's, not just that, but it's happening in restaurants and in all kinds of other places too, where they're saying, enough's enough, you know, you can't operate without us. So, you know, let's have a conversation. I've definitely seen it in other sectors too. And I find it refreshing that someone in your position, again, national medical director, so you have um, contact with so many people in in all these different locations and hospitals that you're, you're hearing what they're saying. You're hearing that they have uh, requests and needs and um, what feels fair to them. And you're saying, Hey, I'm, we're ready. We're ready to deliver that and play catch up and, you know, take care of you the way that you need to be taken care of. So, yeah. 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 I mean, we've, we've certainly had to get a little creative in some, you know, and, and I'm seeing it in other, other companies as well. You know, it, sometimes it's not all about how much you make per hour. It's, you know, 
if the practice is doing well, then maybe there's some profit sharing. Or, you know, if we want you to have a particular skill set, we're willing to invest in that skill set mm-hmm. to, you know, keep you around, expand your education, benefit the practice overall. In the long term, it's going to pay off. And so sometimes you have to look at the the long term gain. You know, it's it's expensive to hire, recruit and hire and train um, technical staff, you know, people that are doing technical jobs, medical jobs. So if you can invest a little bit on the front end, as far as, you know, furthering their skill set, it only benefits the hospital in the long run. It's going to make things more efficient. It's going to make the hospital more money and it's going to make them feel appreciated and want to stick around to where you don't have to train somebody else a year or two down the road. You might get an employee that sticks around for five or 10 or 15 years because you've shown them that you support their education and want that skill set and are willing to put your money where your mouth is. Absolutely. I know if I were in that position, I would really value that. Um, Can you speak to, we've talked about this a bit offline. Mm -hmm. There's just quite a big difference between corporate, a large corporate um, facility, or that's, you know, a part of a corporate operation compared to a small practice, say a GP practice with with two or three doctors. And when they face this issue of, okay, we need more staff. And let's say we are going to do a recruitment process and hire on some more technicians and maybe another doctor. Um, A big challenge that many hospitals are facing is that they find staff that is not yet trained up to the level they need them to be at. But then they struggle with how to get them trained, the how. Mm -hmm. How do we find the time and the resources to get these people uh, up to speed? Um, Because we need them now. We needed them yesterday. Uh, I'd love to know how you all do that with Valley and then Mm -hmm. what you might also recommend for smaller practices that might not have the same resources. Yeah. And it's a great point because you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of the larger companies out there quite simply have deeper pockets to be able to do stuff like that. So to them putting someone through a training course, you know, may not be a huge deal financially um, with, with what they've got going on. Um, and, and being able to take some time to get them trained up may not be a huge deal either at that point with the staffing that you have. It's a much different ballgame in a, a single owner practice or single or maybe two doctor practice, something smaller like that, where you're legitimately, you know, you're, you're on a fairly shoestring budget there uh, margins wise and can't necessarily afford to take two weeks to train somebody and, and, and do that sort of thing. So you have to get, I, I mean, you really have to get creative you know, on, the, on those smaller practices. Um, and a lot of it just comes down to going out and looking for what's available out there because there's a ton available out there for cheap or free. A lot of it's free um, that practice managers and senior technicians can take advantage of to get good training for their assistants and their veterinary technicians and, and the other technical staff. Um, you just have to know kind of where to look for it or, or get some ideas on where to look for it. And that, I mean, it can look like a lot of different things. Um, you know, one of the better resources out there is that, um, you know, every company out there that makes a, a drug or a food or a device wants you to know about it. And so all you need is a phone call or an email to say, Hey, come tell us about it. And they'll bring you lunch. They'll spend an hour. They'll teach your entire staff over the lunch break about a specific product that they then know about and it advances their skill set. You can't do that every day, but there's a lot of them out there. Um, you know, and there's also, um, there's a ton of free CE out there. 
you just have to know kind of where to look for it. Um, and a lot of the, the support companies in veterinary medicine have their own CE outlets as well. So American Animal Hospital Association, your local veterinary medical association that your doctors are probably a member of and have access to, um, you know, and there, there are several others that just that's what they do is they provide CE um, to improve skill sets and things like that. So I think it's a, it's definitely tougher on the smaller hospital side um, from an expense and a timing, but it's, it's there. You just got to go find it. Um, you know, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that, so we do a lot of extern and intern training where we'll bring, bring folks in learning to be a technician, learning to be an assistant, learning to be a doctor in school, that sort of thing. And, you know, we'll just attach them to the hip of one of our techs or one of our doctors and they'll go in the rooms with us and they'll get a chance to ask questions and hear what's going on and see everything. And I think I, I have yet to see a client that objects to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think every client's like, oh, good, you're training new people on how to do this so that you've got more people to work here. And so it doesn't honestly take that long, that much time, you know, when you hire somebody on that, if you can stick them into that side by side mentorship process, they're going to pick up on it fairly quickly. They're going to get that knowledge base and they're going to be much more confident going into the room with a client at that point. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, it costs you maybe a couple of days of not having them on the floor and paying them, but what are you getting in exchange? You're getting someone that's much more confident when they do get on and isn't going to take as much time to train up into that position. Um, So part of it's just the approach, you know, how you, how you go about it. I'm really a fan of that approach because we learn really well through imitation and seeing Mm -hmm. things done and then repeating it. Um, I, something I noticed with some of the clinics that I've worked with is that um, a bit of a lack of, a way to check in with the newbie to mm-hmm. make sure they truly understand it. Cause people yeah. have different learning styles. Some, some actually have to get their hands on it and do it. Some need to write it down. Some are, yeah. you know, need to talk it through. And I think that um, something, uh, something that frustrates many of the already trained staff is they'll have mm-hmm. a person come in, they, they go through a procedure or this is how we do something. You got it right. And they think that person is ready to go. And then the next day they, they mess up. Um, so then there's, they're face palming, like, ah, what did we do wrong, uh, in <laughs> yeah. training this person? So coming up with a, a type of operating procedure where we can mm-hmm. check back with the person, teach it back to me, show me that, you know, it, let's go practice one or two or three rounds to the mm-hmm. point where that person feels confident. And then also how do we handle the failure, um, yeah. that it creates a lot of fear and anxiety in the newbie. If they mm-hmm. feel like they have to walk on eggshells and they mess up once, then they're, they're already, they're already with a scarlet letter on their chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have anything that you use in, in, with mm-hmm. Valley when it comes to these challenges? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and we, cause we've been talking about this for the last year or so we've been putting in place some standard operating procedures for those sorts of things. Um, I actually created a document for our doctors and our externs that, that we call core competencies, which is basically if you're going to be on the floor here, this is what we expect that you're able to do and need to be able to demonstrate, you know, to your medical director at the facility before you're, you're doing that, that sort of thing, give, give them the confidence and the ownership to ask questions and request feedback and that sort of thing to make sure that, that they're getting what they need to out of it. Um, one of the biggest things that we do at Valley is we sort of set that expectation from the get-go. Okay. So we get it, get a document in front of them that says, here are the core competency 
competency, excuse me, for your position. Um, this is what we need you to be able to do. This is what we want to teach you to do. This is what ultimately your, your job is going to be. And that way, from day one, they have a, okay, this is what my goal is. This is what we're aiming for. This is what we want to do. And then everything from there, the staff then has the buy-in too to say, okay, you need to learn this. Let's go do this. And, and then our, our mantra is always see one, do one, teach one, right? So watch me do it. Okay, now it's your turn. Cool. Now I want you to teach me or somebody else how to do it. And that way, you know, you have the, the core competencies involved in that to, to be able to do the job. And I think getting that buy-in from your trainee is huge. You know, they're like, okay, great. It, it's concrete. It's what they expect me to learn. It's what they expect me to do. This is my goal. This is what I'm shooting for. And it also allows them then to say, okay, I'm not comfortable with this. Can somebody show me how to do this again? You know, or did I do that right? Give me some feedback. How could I do this differently? How could I improve it? Um, and it gives them that buy-in of, okay, we're all working toward the same goal here um, to, to have this core competency for the position to be able to do it appropriately. So I, I think that's a big part of it is getting it in front of them from the get-go and, and having those SOPs, having those core competencies, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. We've, we've called them different things at different times, but having a training plan essentially instead of just dropping them on the floor and hoping that they'll sponge up what they need to sponge up. Um, you know, putting that out there from the get go, I think gets buy-in all the way around. I love what you all are doing. I would love to have more hospitals replicating this. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of hospitals know that it's a good idea, but struggle with the actual design and implementation of it. Again, that, that barrier of, I don't have the time to do it is, is a, Mm very, very common challenge that we're facing. But I think hearing from someone like you about how you're implementing it, how it makes the new hire feel supported, um, that they can ask questions. It helps with retention and longevity and happiness of these people to actually be here doing the work. Um, As as we're coming to a close today, um, could you just, if you'd like to say more about Valley Veterinary, like where are you all located um, if people want to get in touch that are interested in hearing more about how you, how you work with new hires, uh, the opportunities that you all may have available with Valley Veterinary, I'd love for you to speak to that. Sure. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we are, um, the, the home office is just south of Houston, Texas in Friendswood. Um, we have, I'm going to get the number wrong. I think we're at 28 hospitals currently, combination of general practice and ER, mostly in Texas. We've got one in um, New Mexico, an ER in California, and then we've got three GPs in Colorado. So we've branched out a a little bit from there. Um, We have made it a, a very specific goal over the last year or so to, um, focus our recruitment efforts on having a strong teaching and mentorship, um, program to be able to offer uh, anybody from the, the front desk to the back, back staff to the doctors that we're trying to recruit and, and bring on board, um, very specifically into our culture and, you know, writing those SOPs, coming up with those documents, having something very tangible to hand to people at recruiting events and say, this is what we do. You know, this, when you come on with us, this is what you can expect, you know, and like we talked about before, it's not just medical and surgical, you know, it's, finances, it's healthcare, it's figuring all of that stuff out that you may not have known about before, before you hit the floor so that you're not having to deal with it as you're trying to learn the job. You know, 
set up. Your benefits are already set up. Your retirement plan is already set up. You have all your passwords to get into everything you need to get into to, to do your job. You know, all those little things that kind of fall through the cracks when we're just trying to get somebody on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing ahead of time so that it's kind of a package deal of, okay, now, now you're, don't worry about any of that. Let's work on your training and, and get you where you need to be. And it's, it's worked real well for us. We've actually, you know, we've done some recruiting down to the level of third and fourth year vet students where we have our staff and our doctors who we trust identify folks that they think would be a good fit for the company. Um, you know, smart people that want to get out there and work for a good company and we'll approach them early on say, Hey, just come hang out with us. Come see what we do. Come see our practices, come meet our people. And it, it, it works when people see that we, put our money where our mouth is as far as taking care of our people and training our people, they, um, they're, they're very interested in coming on board. And so it's worked well for us uh, from a staffing standpoint. We've been, been doing probably better than the market um, in the last year or so, just as far as recruiting and hiring and training um, and getting good people on board. What I really appreciate about your your history and your story, for those who want to go back and listen to our first episode, is that you've seen it all. You know, you have been personally in positions where you have felt mistreated by a company or burned out or exhausted and looking at the paradigm and saying, this needs to be different. And now you are in a position to help make that possible for so many other people. And at Valley Veterinary, the the reason you joined this company is because they practiced what they preached. They had Mm -hmm. a story and you thought, this is true. They're really doing it. I wouldn't mind being a part of it. And now here you are. So I think that being a part of that change and really listening to what people want and need that we spend a tremendous amount of our life at work. Like Mm -hmm. that is part of our pie chart of life. We never get back. And it should be fulfilling and meaningful and we should feel supported. And I love that you all are contributing to that for so many people who are doing such important work for animals. I I really am grateful for the work that you all are doing. And I just want to, you know, motivate people out there if they're interested in working for a company like that to check you all out. Yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. It's yeah, check check the website. We've got uh, there's a fun little section of doctor testimonials where you can hear actually from our doctors about their experiences working for the company. Um, you know, you can read about our CEO and his wife, the the founders of the company, and their philosophy on things. And you know, they're ultimately the ones that that sold me on it, and then asked me to come up with a mentorship and training program. And when I didn't pitched it to them, they they didn't hesitate. They said. We love it. Go do it. Make it happen. Like, that, that was it. Do it. Make 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 it so. And and we did. And and we're making it a we're making it a reality um, because that's what we wanted to put out there. Oh, it's great. And where is the best place for people to find you? Uh, they can. The easiest place is to go directly to the website. Let me make sure I get it right for you. Yeah. So it's valleyveterinarycare.com, all one word, valleyveterinarycare.com. That'll drop you right on our homepage. That'll show you the the current hospitals we work with. That'll show you our executive staff. Um, we have three, um, high level doctors on the executive staff helping kind of guide things on the medical side. Um, and it'll also, you know, like I said, show you those testimonials and, and all the other, uh, the other things and job opportunities are on the website as well. Um, we're on there and we're on indeed and a few others, but, uh, yeah, Valley veterinary care, uh, out of Texas. Fabulous. I will link that up in the show notes. I will also link our previous episode up in the show notes for anybody that wants to check that out. 
And Dr. Derek Paul, I really appreciate you being here with me today. It's been a blast. Thanks so much, Crystal. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you feel stoked after listening to this episode. And as always, I would love to hear your comments and feedback. Is there a topic that you want to know more about? Please let me know. And thank you again for subscribing and sharing your favorite episodes with others. It really means a lot.